This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we look into the future and count down the things we don't want to see in 2022. Some of this, this is kind of an expansion of, of an area we'll, we'll call digital humans. The idea that uh, we've got more and more representations of ourselves in the world in the current decade and beyond. We're going to see more and more kind of almost partnerships uh, with a robot or other form of automation in the workplace so that we're working side by side. This The phrase for this uh, that's often used is called cobots or robot coworker. Some of my biggest fears probably have a lot to do with uh, algorithmic influence. These systems have the potential to, if not themselves manipulate us, be able to be used by other people to manipulate us. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share, leave a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So the big question in this episode, what does the future have in store for us in 2022 and beyond? Our first guest studies exactly that. Everything from digital humans and emotional intelligence to algorithms, biohealth, and the role that artificial intelligence will play in the coming decades. This is futurist Richard Yonk. Moving into 2022, what do you essentially see ahead for us this year and kind of in the immediate future? There's really, from my standpoint, so many different fields, so many different considerations. So uh, I'll talk about things like artificial intelligence. And uh, right now we've got an enormous amount of advancement being made in voice tech and different aspects of being able to incorporate voice as interface, but also voice as a, a means of supplementing uh, human workforce and human intelligence. Some of this, this is kind of an expansion of, a, of an area we'll, we'll call digital humans. The idea that uh, we've got more and more representations of ourselves in the world, in the workplace, certainly increasingly in uh, the metaverse, cyberspace, whatever we want to call it, uh, in which we will uh, be able to have representatives of ourselves, some pretty rudimentary right now, but over time they'll have, be able to uh, 
be our emissaries, essentially, be able to uh, perform certain basic routine tasks, uh, know what our preferences are, whether that's booking a flight for us or, um, you know, even something as as currently complex as uh, performing an interview for us. You know, for me, like looking at this from a complete outsider's perspective, I guess, like, what's the point? Like, what? Mm -hmm. What what are we? What's the goal of creating this kind of virtual selves? Definitely uh, a, a valid question. In terms of uh, creating a, a a virtual world, there's a lot of hype, a lot of tech interest, uh, where you have this plan, this desire to create an alternate uh, form of reality. The, the thing is that a lot of people push back on this and say, you know, I mean, here we're, we're trying to create this alternate reality and we're actually I, creating a more space, more distance between ourselves. We're, we're creating uh, new ways of essentially distancing ourselves from human uh, contact and human uh, interaction. So that's definitely a negative and definitely a, a reason why this would be, you know, not necessarily as everything everybody wants it to be. On the other hand, uh, as a, in a business use case, the opportunity to create things like uh, digital humans, digital avatars that can represent us and be used for uh, performing various routine and repetitive tasks uh, in the workplace uh, can increase efficiency and and es essentially re reduce the number of people that are needed to perform a particular task. Right now, we're we're seeing a real disconnect in terms of the number of people who are available to work and the number of jobs. Uh, they're not meshing. We're, we have a lot of gap there, and one of the ways that this is unfortunately going to be addressed by some business is through increased automation. How soon do you think that's going to happen? Like when you look for the rest of the 2020s, what do you kind of see coming? Parts of it are already happening. Uh, it's mostly a question of how good is it? Is it going to be dependable enough that you can put it into a, uh, a work environment? A, a decade from now? Oh yeah. Uh, I would anticipate that we will see a lot of this and when we talk about chatbots, we're kind of talking about the idea of the thing like you do the, hey, I've got a problem with this company. You talk to this thing, it, like you put in the answer and you get an answer immediately back, like that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But instead of having an obvious computer, it would be like me giving those answers. Right now, you might see an image. It might be photographically realistic. It may be something more cartoonish that is meant to kind of help suggest that this is a a person-to-person -person interaction and that it kind of tweaks uh some of what uh, sherry turkle of mit used to call or still calls uh our darwinian buttons essentially we are design one of the earliest things we did as a species was develop language and a means of interacting with each other through emotional and visual cues, a lot of nonverbal cues and so forth. So to have visual avatars that continue that or extend that will essentially 
make us feel more and more like we are engaging with another person. And we fall into that habit very, very easily. We will feel more like we're engaging with a real person, but it will be less of a real person that we're engaging with at the same time. Correct. Uh, These are basically statistical models. They're simply connecting words and strings of words and phrases together based on statistics. So there's no awareness there. When you kind of look into the future, are we more poised now for a bigger change than we have been in the past? How close are we to the next big thing? The next big thing is always around the corner and you never know exactly when it's going to happen. If you're speaking about AI and so forth, we're still quite some ways out from, let's just say, uh, something that is artificial general intelligence or something very self-aware and so forth. That's still many, many decades away. Uh, In terms of just technological development uh, and innovation, every single day, there's so much out there and there's so many things that everyone is doing. Knowledge has a tendency to uh, self-reinforce, create self-reinforcing loops. Uh, And so all of a sudden we're able to do things with our knowledge of genetics and bio using AI and bioinformatics to start mining and, and finding out new ways to generate new uh, drugs, treatments, therapies, and so forth. Uh, this coming decade is going to be huge for biotechnology and healthcare, digital healthcare. So this is definitely a, a, a time in which we're going to see enormous innovation over the course of really the coming decades. I don't foresee it slowing down. If anything, it will accelerate. Has COVID changed any of that? Did COVID speed it up, pause it, Mm -hmm. have no difference at all? Like, what do you think? When COVID hit, uh, it accelerated a number of technologies and really put the brakes on a number of others. So that right there, uh, you know, shows you how things that occur in the in our world in our environment that maybe aren't necessarily anticipated can uh skew uh the direction that uh, technology and other uh, trends are developing so to be more specific uh we saw an enormous advancement in areas like you know uh remote technologies uh, the you know things like teams and and zoom and everything else they uh, really went to town uh, expanding their capabilities in the during that period. Uh, some of the abilities to uh, deal with situations remotely, uh, whether that's you know various forms of of delivery, drone work, and so forth, these advanced. On the other hand, during that time, certainly we saw a huge drop off early early COVID at least, uh, in things like, uh, for instance, rideshare. Some of it is about the industries. Some of it is about the technologies that are considered to be viable to roll out during that time. What do you think is kind of going to be the next big technology? AI is permeating everything. It, it, what, what people don't, a lot of people don't recognize is that AI is here. AI is everywhere. And it every time it rolls out, in some new fashion and is incorporated into various devices in our environment, various parts of our environment, uh, we think it's all very cool, very new for a very short period of time. It gets good and then it kind of de- 
disappears into the environment. It's part of our background and it's, it's pervasive. It's there, but we don't think about it. So a bunch of the things that go on in our cars, things that go on in our homes, the, the applications that we use on the computer, all of these are using various aspects and forms of AI. Some of them are going to continue to get more intelligent. Some of them, there's not much point in, in adding to it. But the fact is that over the course of this decade and the next, we're going to see a range of deep learning technologies, uh, forms of machine learning come out and be used in pretty much everything in our world. So just expect that that's going to become more and more a part of our world and much of it will become less aware of over time. Is this going to be stuff, though, that's like ultimately going to be good for society? Or is this going to be stuff that, you know, we we go to the lowest common denominator. And what I mean by that is like we invented the internet and we could use it to have all of the information at our fingertips, but instead we kind of use it to snipe at people on Twitter, right? Like, is this, is this going to be good for society kind of things or it's an ongoing uh, issue and a, and a very important question to be asking social media, certainly the internet, uh, they didn't turn out quite the way people expected or wanted. And one of the things that I advocate is that we have incorporate more of a technology assessment in the early design processes of, of these new innovations, because this allows us to can't can allow us to try to anticipate and overcome some of the uh, different kinds of issues we, we see with new technologies. Yeah, and no, I think that a lot of the things that we would kind of naturally talk about are summed up in some of our listeners' questions, so mm -hmm. I want to jump into them. Um, this this one, I think, kind of hits at the thing that we were just talking about. Are we creating something we don't understand? That's a very big question. Uh, are we creating something we don't understand? Absolutely. We are continuously in the process of in the course of building the world, building the future, we create things. We don't understand all the ways it will be utilized, all the ways it will develop the unanticipated consequences of it. Uh, when people gener uh, developed the uh, automobile, the early gas engine, they did not anticipate the way that it was literally going to transform our our cities, our country, our environment. If cars didn't exist, our cities would have an entirely different uh, configuration. And uh, things like uh, as simple as, you know, how we lay out streets or pathways, how we uh, have, you know, commit enormous amounts of space to parking and so forth. All these things were never foreseen at that time. This happens with every single technology. When will the future look really different? And I think what they mean by that is like, <laughs> if I were to get into a time machine, like how far in advance would I have to go or be like, oh, this doesn't even look like Earth anymore. Like, I don't recognize this. If you could have looked down on the Earth in uh, 1900, we would, with enough resolution, we would be able to t definitely tell that this is a very transformed world. Uh, part of it is what what the expectation is and 
as with other kind of forms of, of thinking, imagery, what have you, uh, resolution. So it, the more detail we look at, the more things have transformed and, and changed. As I say, AI is pretty much everywhere. It's it. But if you don't know what to look for, if you aren't able to you know, peer into the workings of a particular technology to understand or to see that, you don't know that that's going on. Our world has transformed and is transforming rapidly in terms of it becoming what I typically refer to as more and differently intelligent. There's a an, a growing preponderance of machine intelligence. Some of it is skewed and biased. And this is transforming our world. Depending on what you're looking at, you could say that the world transforms almost uh, unrecognizably. You know, in, a, in as little as a decade, think about what the world was like before social media. What are we getting first, flying cars or jetpacks? <laughs> We've got both. Uh, jetpacks are actually kind of useful and cool uh, in a, uh, there's definitely uh, being incorporated more and more uh, by the military. Uh, there's some real benefits there. Flying cars. Uh, we're getting into something uh, uh, that's kind of different there from the standpoint we can engineer almost anything. It, it, it's a, at this stage, it's down to, within the laws of physics, it's down to economics for the most part. When you talk about a flying car, if you mean the Jetsons, where it is a something that has no apparent uh, you know, th method of thrust, uh, that's, yeah, that's going to be a long time. Uh, if you're talking about something that's basically a personalized airplane or helicopter, a quadcopter, what have you, the, there's some thought about that being... Uh, appealing to people you know who have considerable wealth to kind of skip around some of the traffic jams and problems in uh, an urban environment and so forth uh, that is a different matter and gets into a range of issues around inequality problems of what happens when you know certain parts of society forego uh, you know the what what everyone else has to use does that is that to the detriment does that lead to uh deterioration of those services and so forth so that's a big problem but down to the the real issues and and uh of having cars just kind of fl flying through the air on a you know almost like another level of traffic human beings did not evolve to na navigate a three-dimensional space We've always pretty much occupied two, possibly two and a half dimensions. We aren't flyers. So there's two problems with that. We really make mistakes really quickly. So we've got to turn all of that over to AI. to be, And that's got to have gotten to the point where that's really good. But any small accident, you have a fender bender on the freeway. Okay, you pull over. You have a fender bender in the sky. It's a catastrophic failure and you fall. Uh, that's to your detriment, and it's a big problem for the city below. So there you get into regulation, liability. The insurers are not going to let that happen. I was thinking about that. I was traveling over Thanksgiving, and I was like thinking, 
Could you imagine if all these cars were just flying all over the place? Like, it would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Will robots take over the world? Some people would say they already have. Um, they will not take over the world in the in, for a very, very long time. In the sense of a Skynet, uh, Robopocalypse, uh, you know, um, Terminator-type style takeover. On the other hand, there's the economics of using robotics, ro- using robots to uh, you know, supplement the workforce uh, in the current decade and beyond. We're going to see more and more kind of almost partnerships uh, with a, uh, a, a robot or other form of automation in the workplace so that we're working side by side with technologies that are increasingly intelligent and increasingly able to perform certain tasks that they can do better than we can either through because of the repetition speed uh what have you this the phrase for this uh, that's often used is called cobots or it's like a cobot uh, sorry a robot coworker uh and this idea is pretty much you know developing in a slow evolutionary pace at this point but it's increasingly how we work we we use technology all the time in the in our work in our environment uh you know different applications certain t- amounts of ai that do analysis for us and so forth uh this is just a further extension of this into the physical space and certainly we're already seeing this in warehouses uh and other kinds of manufacturing and so forth in terms of biohealth what do you think will be happening in that arena like, where do you think the changes are going to be there? Right now, we are on the verge of an enormous amount of innovation and advancement in biotechnology. We have had the ability to sequence human, uh, the human genome uh, in detail for a couple of decades now. So it's taking a lot of time, but we're figuring out some really interesting uh, approaches and and gaining new knowledge about how our bodies work, how biology works, and so we're getting some new, you know, incrementally new ways uh, to uh, deal with cancers through immunotherapy. What's we have to be very careful of is creating problems for ourselves or future generations through the misuse of that. genetic manipulation at this point we have uh, different tools like crispr with that potentially we have the uh, ability to make changes to the gametes the the uh, eggs and sperm that ultimately lead to uh, the next generations if that uh, is changed or manipulated that can go really really wrong and the the problems may not show up for generation. What is your safest prediction for the future? <laughs> and what is your boldest prediction for the future? Like th- so bold that if you're around like all your futurist buddies, like you're not even going to say it. It's so bold <laughs> that like they're going to laugh at me if I even suggest this. But what is your mm. boldest and your safest prediction? Safest prediction is easy. The sun comes up tomorrow. So the expectation that 
all aspects of the future are unknown or all unknowable. Uh, it, it really runs through a whole gamut, uh, a spectrum uh, of certainties. The one that's out there, there has been speculation that somehow or another we are going to have uh, an ability to interact with the past at some point. I find this highly unlikely, but if you extrapolate that long into the future, then at some point uh, down the road, you could potentially have uh, a version of our uh, a version of our society, our civilization, affecting change uh, in the past. I find that almost almost impossible. Ah, okay. There, there's one I, I definitely dispute. Okay. Uh, the concept that we are living in a simulation. Uh, there are people uh, who have talked about this. Uh, I think uh, Musk, I'm not sure if Max Tegmark said something similar, but you know, on the order of a 50% um, likelihood that this is, we are in fact living in a simulation. I am going to go with the far more uh, spe specific uh, prediction that there is a far less than 1% chance we are living in a simulation. It's possible, but that's my prediction. It's very, very, very unlikely. I don't even want to like think about that. I don't even want to think about it, right? But I've always- How been would you know? Like what's why? What's the reason that some people think we are living in a simulation? Like where's the yeah, no proof? So this is one of the big problems with it. It's not falsifiable in any way that I've been able to figure out. Let me follow up that excellent point by movie or TV show that you feel has the most accurate depiction of the future. I, I love these things for entertainment, but I am simply not going to say any of them are really good representations of our reality. And certainly not yet. Did you think we'd be farther ahead by now? Mm. Great question. Um, and very general. Thank you. Um, so did I, there have been definitely times uh, over the, the years and decades where I looked ahead and taught, you know, explored things and, and thought, yeah, we'll be at this stage at this point, And we're not. So um, early 2000s, we had um, predictions and some pretty accurate ones that we were going to start seeing autonomous vehicles uh, in around 2017 or so. Uh, they're not out there in the form quite the way we would have thought that it wasn't going to be like, oh, they're going to take over the roads. Uh, but the technology is there. The technology developed and we're at currently uh, what SAE talks about, the Society of Automotive Engineers talks about as level four autonomous vehicles. We won't see true autonomous vehicles till probably 2030 or beyond. And I think that that's probably going to be pretty accurate. Uh, in terms of where um, I, I think I thought at certain stages that certain aspects of artificial intelligence and, and its ability to uh, have more contextual understanding would be further along at this point. We're moving into a, a stage that has been referred to as the third wave of AI, uh, that uh, some of this is developing into their projects that are developing more and more 
uh, capability of reasoning, common sense, uh, one-shot learning, or, or learning more like human beings do uh, in in these systems. Uh, and we're going to see that advance quite a bit over the next decade or two. But I think I thought some of that was going to be here a little faster than it was. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the thing that I've always heard of like describing AI and the challenges with it is that you can teach a computer perfectly how to play chess, all the strategies, all the stuff, but it can't then take all that knowledge and use it to play checkers. Like it can't think the way that we can where we can take lessons from one thing and transition into another thing. Sure. Um, right now, when you talk about that example, uh, we're talking about neural networks. These are systems that over the past couple of decades have gotten really good at certain very specific tasks. They take an enormous amount of training, uh, lots and lots of data, uh, and once trained, they can perform very, very well. There is when they are when the attempt is made to retrain, something occurs that's called catastrophic for catastrophic uh, forgetting. I'm not sure that's quite right. But anyway, the point is it loses pretty much most of what it has learned or all of what it has learned because it's not actually learning. So one of the things that's in this new third wave that uh, is being worked on is to be able to accrete knowledge, to, to build on prior knowledge to inform what comes after. And that's what much more like what we do today. The other aspect of all of that, I've written a couple of different books about uh, the future of artificial intelligence, Future Minds and Heart of the Machine. And in Heart of the Machine, I explore the future of what's known as emotional, artificial emotional intelligence or emotion AI. And this is, these are technologies that can read and interact with human emotion. Now, that technology could one day lead to some very, very important uh, aspects of increased intelligence in our machines because one of the things that really informs a lot of our, our intelligence is how we place value on in the world. If you based on your emotions, you know what to look at, what to pay attention to at any given time. If I'm that chess-playing computer or robot uh, in a room and I'm playing away, performing excellently and beating the pants off of the, the human that I'm playing against, and that room catches on fire, the, the human is going to get up and leave, probably rapidly and with a little bit of emotion about it. That program or that robot or that computer is pretty much going to likely sit there and stay. It doesn't have any means of recognizing that its environment, its what values have changed in its conditions, and it needs to be able to change its um, mission based on that. What scares you? What gives you hope? The future gives me hope. So the future, as far as I'm concerned, is about potential. The future is what ultimately we are all striving toward. Uh, we don't, we may be able to remember the past, but being able to interact with and anticipate and direct 
our present day actions to build and generate a better future is really what gives us power as a species. Some of my biggest fears probably have a lot to do with uh, algorithmic influence. The idea that as we develop these systems, as we interact more and more with these technologies, right now in the form of social media platforms, but potentially later on in terms of other forms of uh, per, uh, environment, uh, AI in our environment, um, these systems have the potential to, if not themselves manipulate us, be able to be used by other people to manipulate us. That's enormously problematic. Uh, it, it literally gets to a stage where you can look at it and talk about it undermining free will uh, very significantly. So I think that's probably my one of my biggest uh, long-term concerns is algorithmic influence. Do you feel like we're already there? I think we're on the road. Yeah, it doesn't like because now I'm hearing about things where like like they can tailor this political message to this exact group, mm -hmm. tailor mm -hmm. this political message to this exact group, even though that group wouldn't necessarily have voted for that candidate mm -hmm. if it wasn't for this thing. Right? Well, you're just you're it becomes so specific. Definitely things like that, but I think more more nefarious, for lack of a better word, right now, is the problem that. If you have a system that is able to read and interact with you, whether it's through visual cues, eventually emotional awareness of these systems and so forth, the ability for them to change their strategy, change script highly rapidly based on the feedback from us, this creates a, a feedback loop one that we in which we effectively become what's known in programming or in in computer science as an optimization problem you want the person to click and click and click again okay well let's feed them a and b oh they click more on b well let's do that again with another set a or b and you just keep doing it and you keep and this is basically how something like facebook works um that you extend that kind of thinking, that kind of um, potentially manipulation uh, into, I mean, the ability to basically turn us into a uh, an algorithm uh, for profit. That's pretty much all the questions that I got, man. Is there anything you think that we missed or anything like that? Hmm. Um, as I say, uh, if we can imagine that we can build it if we can take responsibility for the future that we want to see built we can build that too but what we have to do along the way is not just assume that every single new thing is good we have to be willing to assess as we go along and in the aftermath in order to try to protect the kind of you know, future, not just that we create for ourselves, but that we leave for future generations. Oh, let me ask you this. Like, what's kind of coming up next for you? I know you got some books out. 
uh, working on the next book. But yes, uh, always uh, out there uh, doing uh, keynotes uh, for different conferences, uh, consulting for business, and certainly uh, writing uh, articles and and books. So uh, that's kind of my gig, and uh, it's going to continue to be the, the case for uh, a, a good number of years yet. I want to thank Richard so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter and Instagram, and we have also included his information in the episode description. I think the really interesting thing about listening to him and looking at some of his books is that the concepts, like they may jump out at you at first. Like, oh, that sounds different. But then when you really think about it, that's when you realize just how big of a change some of these things could be. Okay, now let's go ahead and bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Do you feel like you wasted 2021? <sighs> That's such a... I'm going to say yes. I mean, I feel like the answer is no. However, looking back on it, I'm not entirely sure what I did other than just survive. But do you feel like you wasted it more than other years? Or would you look at this year and be like, I really kind of phoned this one in. My thoughts going into this year, I think I accomplished maybe 5% of what I thought this year was going to you know, entail. But yeah, I mean, it's a wash. It's another wash year. This is the second wash year in a row. And 2022 looks no different, to be honest. That's the problem, right? Like, I feel like I wasted 2021. But I don't really see myself improving in any way in 2022. Like, I'm just going to make all the same mistakes over again, I think. I haven't learned anything. I'm not entirely sure I made mistakes. I just didn't do anything, really. No, that's probably really it. I just didn't do anything. Are you a New Year's resolution person? (laughs) I I have thought about maybe, maybe trying to start some things on the first. I've never done that. Okay, well, let, why don't you go ahead and tell us what those are, and then we'll hold you accountable throughout the year. Uh, well, one is, one is becoming more fit. I, I, I would like to, to at least get some kind of, of, of uh, I don't know what you want to call it, workout in four out of seven days during the week. Now, is the goal to become more fit or to specifically lose weight? I, I, I don't want to die when I'm, when I'm 50, you know what I mean? So whatever, whatever that falls into. That's a good goal. Okay, so you're going to lose weight. How much weight are you going to lose? Uh, I mean, you might not believe this, but I, I probably could lose 40, 45 pounds and be relatively healthy, healthier. So I, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start just trying, just just day by day. I'm just going to try to do maybe five in a month, and then and then see what happens. Okay. Okay. I mean, so. I think that you need to have a little bit more of a plan if you really want to accomplish these goals. I think that you need to have, you know, put some real initiative into it. This isn't a, a self-help, you know, a John Schull self-help episode here. No, but we're just, we're just trying to help you. It's not self-help. It's about us helping you. That's what this is. So <laughs> okay. let's say you're, you're, you're 300 now, and you're going to get down to 260. <laughs> I am not. I am not 300 pounds, okay. but okay. How much All are right. you then? All right. Uh, I'm about 275. Okay, so you're gonna get down to two thirty-five. Gonna try, right. yep. My main thing is, is I don't want it to. I've done these fad diets and I've done these yeah, fad workout things. Yeah, I, I want to do some. I want to make more of a of a life change. You know, I I, I don't eat a lot of the. I, I don't eat a lot of vegetables. 
I don't need a lot of the the more high in uh, anything well, good is basically what you, the the road that you're going down, right? We don't need to go into like all the food yeah. groups of things you don't eat: vegetables, yeah. fruit, uh, any yeah. kind of dairy, any kind of rice. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> eat some dairy. Don't you worry about that. Uh, what? But yeah, hey, wait. What are you eating? That's so much dairy. Cheese, milk. You're drinking milk as an adult. Who doesn't drink milk? Are as, you as... serious? Okay, this is, this is insane. I think you're in the minority here, so you need to tread carefully. I think a lot of people are going to agree with me on this. I don't think that many people drink milk. I, I, I guarantee you most adults do not drink milk. Okay. Do, when you say that, do you mean just a glass by itself or just in general, like mixing it with a protein shake or in a protein shake or anything? I see where you're going. Right. I think that you could get in some extra percentage points if you're talking about people putting it in their cereal or putting it in like a meal replacement or anything like that. I'm talking about a glass of milk. I don't think that most adults drink a glass of milk. Okay. Can you give me a percentage? What's the what? What percentage would you say of 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 American adult or not even American, of adults drink a glass of milk a day? I would be shocked if there's five percent of adults. Who drink a glass of milk a day? I mean, I would think the number. I would think a quarter of the world would would have a glass of milk a day. I think it's a lot more common than you think. But I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Maybe milk isn't. How many glasses of milk are you having a week? I mean, I usually have one or two a day. Are are you one or do you have one or two glasses of milk a day? Like how big of a glass? How big of a glass are we talk about? I mean, just give me an regular. ounce. Give me like twelve ounces. Sure, we. Probably more like 16, to be honest. You're drinking 32 ounces of milk a day. <laughs> you... When, you say, when you say it like that, it does sound kind of excessive. It sounds yes. ridiculous. Yeah, all of a sudden you realize that you're drinking 32 ounces of milk a day, 64 ounces. That's a gallon. You're drinking a gallon of milk every two days. Dude, no fucking wonder, man. Well, it's good, man. I, I... It's not good. It's good. Well, you're the same person that eats their cereal with water. Well, I used to because I was too cheap to get milk. I was just like, I'm not going to go to the store to get milk. I got water right here. So dumb. The fuck out of here with that. I've also done it with coffee creamer. A little bit sweet. A little bit much on the the body. All right, so you're going to lose weight. What's another goal of yours? Uh, I, I'd like to read. I, I'm going to try to set a, uh, you know, read thir- 30 minutes a day. Uh, I used to read a lot, actually, and I've kind of drifted away from that the last couple of years for whatever reason. Got to learn about more submarines, man. You love learning about World War II submarines. Oh, my God. Uh, have you even read a total of five books in the last five years? Oh, probably not. I haven't learned anything. <laughs> Okay, you're going to read 30 minutes a day? How many books is that going to be? Is that going to be 10 books a year? Huh? I'm going to try to do 30 this year. You're going to read 30 books. Boy, this gonna... fucking this New Year's resolution is getting shot down fast. I'm going to try. And I, I could put out a, 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 a shameless plug for this, uh, this app that I've used called Goodreads, which uh, you can track your progress of, uh, of, of, of wh- what you're reading and how far you're in it. Um, yeah, you can also do that with like a bookmark. You can just put like a bookmark <laughs> in the book, and then you know exactly how far yeah, I know. you've read. I know, I know what a bookmark. You is. don't even have to use. You could also dog ear the pages, which I'm I'm really against that. I think that's disrespectful to books. But that's another way. You don't have to have an app because yeah, then you have to. Like that, that's ridiculous to me. So you read the book, 
a physical paperback book. Mm-hmm. Then you go onto the app and mark where your place is on the book. Well, I, I don't do it, but you can. You will say like how how much you know, how many pages have you read of this book, and then you say ninety five out of three hundred, right? Whatever that is, thirty four percent. So then people who follow you will see, oh, John's reading a oh, book about. Oh, so it's a competition. Sometimes, sometimes. It's another way for people to measure their wieners, basically, is what it is. Except now we're doing it with books and how many books, how many pages you read. Oh, six. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have any more? Is that all you're going to accomplish with your life this year? Uh, I mean, that's, that's, those are the main two for personal, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, so. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. No, I think that's a good start. Going to get leaner and smarter. Always good idea. <laughs> Got to try, man. What, what about you? you? You're not going to have any, are you? I don't have any, no. <laughs> good. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, mine are all like the stupid ones that you can't actually measure. Like, I'm going to be more in the moment. I'm going to try to be more organized. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be more organized. You're not going to – got to stop crying during sex, too. That's a little no, weird. Oh, well, that's what my wife likes. And besides <laughs> – she hurts me, and I'm an emotional guy. I'm an emotional guy. Uh, okay, all right. Let's 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 move on to our shoutouts. All right, man. Well, uh, the the final shoutouts of 2021, man. Kind of crazy to think about that. Uh, Mike Wynn, appreciate you. Uh, Martin Milham, Armando Romero, Charlotte Schaff, Shelby Cooper, Tony Lambert, William J. Trunlick the Third. Edgar Rodriguez, Ken Mend, and Stuart Muirhead. Appreciate every single one of you. Okay, all right. How, I have a question to you. How, how do you feel? And I'm not. I'm not pinpointing uh, William J. Trunlick the third. But how do you feel about people putting their suffix, you know, suffixes on their their hand, their accounts, their handles? Are you okay In with the that? Name? I'm okay generally only for the third. Right? Okay. The third is kind of like, all right, that's fine. But once we get into like the fifth or the sixth or the seventh or something like that, now you're getting ridiculous. I think you're fine to have a senior, a junior, and a third. And then after that, like, look, we get it. Your name is Preston <laughs> Johnsworth. We, we got it there. You have, Preston, your family has God. a mansion in Connecticut. We understand. You're the 15th like chip in the line. Great. Leave it out of there. Aren't you like John the 15th or something like that? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm supposed to be. But for some reason, my my lovely parents, uh, I have the same exact name as my father, first, middle, last. But uh, I I don't have a suffix. I'm not a junior. I'm not a two. I'm not anything. I think you're automatically. But I think you're automatically. I don't think that you have to like declare it. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I've. It's not on my birth certificate. I can tell you that. I don't know if those things go on your birth certificate, but I, I know that when I was a younger man, as weird as that sounds. So, um, so wait well, a minute. Your dad gave you the exact same name, but like held off on calling you Junior in case you didn't turn into amount too much. And he was like, he's just gonna let's test the waters here. I've never been called Junior. There's only, you know, there's only one person in my entire life that has ever called me Junior, and it's it's a friend of the family. 
No one else has ever called me junior. Well, I feel like if your mom doesn't call you it, then it's like official that you're not a junior. I, I'm not. I'm not a junior. I've never been known as a junior. Uh, all right, here's some. I got a couple of humdingers for you here. Okay. I actually don't really know what that means. So hopefully, it's nothing uh, profane. But sounds like it should be something sexual. <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, all right. So you're at a New Year's Eve celebration. Uh, are you the first person to get drunk or the last person to be standing? I'm generally, if I had to pick between the two of those, I'm going to be the first person to get drunk. But in yeah. reality, I'm probably like a hard charger where <laughs> I'm not the first person, but I'm going to be the first person to like, ooh, he's getting after it. I'm not going to pass out right after New Year's, but I'm going to I'm going to hit probably like one fifteen, one thirty, and then I'm done. Uh, this is more just a question to you, but uh, when is the last time you actually celebrated? When is the age that you stop giving a shit about being in a party atmosphere to ring in the New Year? Is uh, it? I'm going to say twenty two, twenty three. Oh, that's too early, man. No, that's too early. You can still have some good fun in your. 20s and even into your 30s i would say so i would say 33 was my last real like new year's but i think that you should i I agree with you in your idea that new year's eve is an overrated evening i think it really is it's generally not that fun but it's still a big deal it's it's like what you just said it's overrated drinks are always overpriced every place is packed i don't know if it's that way now um, what, what is uh, what is New Year's Eve going to look like at the Vinzan household this year? New you Year's doing Eve anything? Is gonna, gonna consist of me taking some uh, illegal substances, <laughs> some legal substances, and having a good fucking time. That's what it's going to involve, and being in bed by ten. Yeah. Yep. Me too. Cause, how about the, how yeah, about the me, show I mean, household? Same, man. My my wife. Well, we're both working Saturday, so uh, in early, so we'll be in bed quite early. Are you ready for a top five? Yeah, yeah. Let's... Oh, wait. I thought we were going to do our, our best of the year. What's your best of the year? Oh, I uh, I didn't put anything down. I thought we were – for what? I thought we weren't doing best of the year. I, I thought, thought our top five – I thought you were going to do like your best movie of the year, your best book of the year, <laughs> your best TV show of the year. I, I mean, I uh, if you give me 30 seconds, I might be – I can at least tell you my, my favorite TV show of the year okay. is, uh, is Squid Game. I can agree with that. I heard a lot of people say it was really good. It's too scary for me. I would also say that Succession is up there, though I haven't finished it, so I can't I can't say how great it is, but it, it's really, really good. Um, okay, okay. Even okay. though that's not a 2021 show, but Squid but Game is. Um, didn't see a lot of movies this year uh, at all. The movies I saw aren't going to win any awards, so I'll just move on. Um, well, what movie did you see that you're embarrassed to say? Like I, I thought the the new Halloween was 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 good for what it was. Okay, you holding um, out you holding out for the new Blade? That's what it really oh, is. You man, you fucking. Oh, here, here's here's something that you'll be embarrassed and you won't believe me when I tell you. Uh, I had never seen the Avengers. Okay. Uh, so I started watching from the first Avengers on, and uh, they're actually quite good movies. They're not terrible movies. I thought they were going to be terrible that's why i never spent my time on them they're legitimately good movies the problem is is that if you watch a bunch of them there's definitely they have a formula right they go action funny comment from one of the stars that makes it seem like it's not that serious go into action 
And I've actually watched all of them except for the last Avengers, and then I stopped watching Marvel movies completely. Saw all the movies leading up to Avengers Endgame and then never watched Avengers Endgame. <laughs> well, sounds like you have a New Year's Eve movie to watch then. I'm not watching it. I don't think I ever will watch it, to be honest with you. Because my boy no. Thanos loses. Why do I want to watch that? You do love Thanos. You I once rated him the number one villain in all of movies. He is. Well, no, Darth Vader's probably the number one movie villain in all of movies, but Thanos is definitely up there. Uh, okay. Um, well, you you have any best ofs? Uh, no. Our top five is uh, top five things we wait. Hold on. How are we gonna say this? Okay. Top five things we want to stop in 2022. All right. My uh, my number five is uh, I want to stop uh, giving attention. To people like Kim Kardashian and 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 celebrities like that, in terms of who they're dating, what they're doing, I could give a shit. And you know the the Paul brothers, all these viral quote unquote celebrities that I you know I to me I could care less if I never heard from them again. I have this big theory that there's not really anybody who actually cares that like. What happens is, is the celebrity, like, this is all public relations marketing, and that they put this out there. There's not, like, real people that are actually, like, reading and commenting on these things. It's like bots that fuel these things to get to the top of social media, and then it's right in front of us, and we click on it because of that. But I don't think there's, like, this, who really gives a shit that this person is dating this person? Like, does anybody really care? Or it was actually interested in this. Like, who's the person in your life that really is interested? Do you know anyone? Man, that's a... <laughs> think, I, I can't think of a single yeah. person who's actually interested. So, like, how does this always rise to the top of everybody's news? It's got to be bots. Uh, either way, I'm just saying, like, it's been shown that Facebook manipulates its, you know, what you click on. So it plays perfectly into what you just said. Uh, my number five is emojis. I feel like people should stop communicating in any sort of written form with emojis. It's it's fucking done, right? We were cool with that for a couple of weeks. It was an interesting thing, and now it's over with. No more emojis in text messages or emails. It's over. It's done. See, I, I've actually embraced it. I've, I, I sent you some earlier, like a middle finger, but then I sent a smiley face after just to tell you that I was just kidding, and I think you got it. It right. was effective. And it was right then that I realized that like this form of communication needs to stop. We can't do that anymore. anymore. I'm, I'm going to say my number four is uh, my local sports team's sucking gigantic ass. Oh, you do. John is in Detroit, and <laughs> Detroit... God, like, how can they be so terrible for so long? I, it, the city also terrible, right? Like, how can one city be on such a downward slide in terms of the city and the sports teams? Well, I mean, listen, I'm not going to bring it all all around, but I don't think the city is that terrible. But the sports teams are without a doubt. It's probably the shittiest major sports city in in America, maybe the world. What's your number? What's your number four? Uh, cancel culture. I'm, I don't know what cancel culture is. I don't want to get into cancel culture. I'm just sick of hearing about it. I think that we should, like, look, one, don't be so offended about things, and two, stop being so offensive to people. There, we're fucking done with it. I'm just sick of hearing about it. 
Cancel culture is good. I, I have that on my honorable mention just because kind of like you, uh, which you just I, I don't know who starts it. I don't know where it comes from. Like, I, I don't know what anything, you know, I don't know what happens with it, I guess. Uh, you know, my number three is, is another personal one here, and it's uh, I really hope people in my house start replacing the fucking toilet paper rolls. I feel like that's actually directed at you and that you should be doing that, and it's probably you're the one who did it. It's not directed at me, I can tell you that. Okay. Uh, my number three is ice. I hate ice. I think we should get rid of ice. Like, I'm not talking about ice in the drinks or ice outside when you go into, ice. like, the forest and shit. But we should get rid of ice on sidewalks and in roads and just in our daily lives. Like, ice is generally a terrible thing, and we should get rid of it. I'm not talking about climate change stuff. We need to save the glaciers. But we should get rid of ice in urban environments. I'm at a loss of words. Usually I'm the one that says something completely out of left field, and, and now now it's you. I... I don't know what to say or how to go on from that. Do you want to keep ice and think we should have it around? I mean, ice is fine. I, I don't see why I don't have a problem with ice. Hmm, well, clearly you didn't just fall on the ice before we were recording this. So go ahead. What's your number, what's your <laughs> oh. number two? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I see where that was going now. Uh, my number two here is uh, rich people going into space. I agree with that. I think we should definitely stop with rich people going into space. Because we don't even get the good ones. We're sending up (laughs) celebrities that, like, nobody's ever even heard of. Like, if it's not Tom Hanks or Denzel Washington or Scarlett Johansson, I don't care about any celebrities going into space. Send more famous people into space. Yeah, I mean, how do you think, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson feels or Bill Nye. They've never been into space, but fucking Michael Strahan has. It's got to be a huge insult, honestly, yeah, for Bill I, Nye not to have been to space. And Michael you know what? Strahan you could just been. literally get rid of if, – if I never had to hear Elon Musk talk again, I would be okay with that. And I don't wish him ill will. I'm not saying he should die. I'm just saying if he went away and I never had to hear his name ever again, I, I wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, I could put Elon Musk on the list, to be honest with you. Just hearing about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, my number two is influencers. Any kind of influencer. I don't care what it is. We don't need, I don't want to hear about any more influencers. Once again, I, I don't. It, it's kind of like what my number five was. Like I, I just don't understand what, what makes you an influencer, that you have money. Well, I think that the problem is, is that there's a real correlation between, like, Bad advice and influencers. And if you look at influencers, most of them generally don't know what it is, the thing they're talking about. Oh. Don't know anything about the thing that they're talking about. And are vastly more popular and more listened to than people who actually do know what they're talking about. I mean, listen, if anything that this pandemic's taught us is that people don't listen to those who know what they're talking about. Oh, here we go. Which okay. leads me to my number one, which should be everyone's number one, is I want this fucking pandemic to end in yeah. 2022 i want it to be classified as an endemic and I, I, I you know i just want it to be over you know that endemic doesn't mean that the pandemic ends right endemic means that it's here forever it's not that it, that's when the pandemic ends it's the endemic that's <laughs> not how that yeah works. but 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 it becomes it, it be, but it becomes like a like here a forever. mainstay like like a flu instead of like you know, we have this strain after that strain, that strain. Like, I just want it to be here, 
if it's going to be here forever, and I and I just want to move on, you know. But until then, you have to be safe, and you know, and and you have to be responsible when others aren't. I just, you know, I'm just ready for it to go into that final stage, if that's what it's going to be, and let's just move on. Like, let's, you know, just, just want to move on from this. We're going on three fucking years next year. Uh, my number one is Facebook. Yeah, I mean. Listen, if if I if if I wasn't being real, I guess if I wasn't being serious, uh, all social media could go to hell. I I don't care about social media. I think it's terrible. Okay, there's John's uh, take on the world where he hates everything besides submarines, Formula One, and Tom and Formula Brady. One. God, yeah, I'd like to. Tom Brady's another one I'd like to just go away. Just because I'm tired of hearing about it. I got nothing against him. I'm just tired of hearing about Tom Brady all the time. And Will Smith. I don't care about Will Smith. I don't want to hear what Will Smith. No one should be allowed to interview Will Smith ever again. Because every it, time somebody asks him a question, he comes up with some shit that nobody wanted to know. <laughs> it Does he? I guess I didn't realize that Will Smith was... Uh, yeah. Look up I, like Will Smith interviews, and he's always talking about something like, I didn't want to know that. <laughs> All right. I mean, listen. You know, I got I got nothing but love for Will Smith. You know, he was just a uh, born and raised on a street on a oh shit. yeah. Let's hear you on do a it. playground let's where see. he spent most of his days. Where? What city? Philly. What part of Philly? Uh, West Philadelphia. Born in West oh, Philadelphia. West, West Philly. I thought for a second it could be South Philadelphia. In West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all, shooting some b-ball outside of school when a couple of guys, they were up to no good. Started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got one little fight. My mom got scared. And said, she said, you moving with your idiot, Uncle Jabelli. Welcome to 2022, people. That's it. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, please leave a review. We really appreciate it. And if you're on Spotify, they just brought out a new rating system. So if you're listening there, leave us a rating. Really helps out the show, and we appreciate it. And let us know what are some of the things that you don't want to see continue in the new year. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.